welcome to our next episode of the Creative Collective Podcast. This is Jen, one of your co-hosts alongside Kelly, who is here with me. And we are thrilled to welcome um, one of our first guests that Kelly and I do not uh, personally know. So this is an exciting uh, venture for us. We're thrilled to welcome Isabel Mata. Uh, Isabel is a neurodivergent writer and creative marketer whose work has been published in more than 50 outlets across the world. She is the host of Being Yourself Loudly, a queer podcast, destigmatizing mental illness, and hosts a bi-weekly advice column for the Seattle Gay News. So welcome, Isabel. We're so excited to have you with us. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love what you guys are doing, and it's an, an honor to be one of your first guests that you don't personally know, but I'm sure that will be different after the episode. Yes, I, I already feel there's like a really great chemistry and connection here that we should definitely, you know, continue the creative friendship. I, I'm going to be forward on that. And I love also, it. I agree that I dove into your Instagram and saw that you um, enjoy gardening. So I already feel a good alignment there. (laughs) Do you like gardening too? Uh, More so flowers than food, but you know, once a gardener, always a gardener, right? I like being outside. I don't care what it is that I'm like dealing with or planting or I just want to be playing in the dirt, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Always a good, yeah. Yeah, always a good feeling for sure. Um, So we are going to dive right in. Um, So just first, I've already introduced you, but if you could just tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to where you are today. Yeah, so my background started, um, I went to NYU for college and I was on like the hustle track. I really wanted to be a writer, but I knew that I wanted to like make it to the top of some corporate brand business. I wanted to make a lot of money. I wanted to be known. Um, And the way that I did that was by working really hard, getting a lot of internships, and I ended up getting a full-time job after graduation working for L'Oreal USA. So I started with them right after college, and I was working for Maybelline, and then I later got transitioned to Urban Decay in Newport Beach. I absolutely loved the job. I loved the thrill that I got of like showing up in these high-rise buildings, kicking ass at a job. Um, and feeling really proud of the work I was doing. And then COVID happened. And as soon as we got sent home from the offices, I feel like everything changed for me. Um, You take away the glitz and the glamour of these beautiful jobs and these beautiful roles. And I was working on a computer for 10 hours a day, busting my butt and not receiving, you know, any recognition, any credit, or getting treated the way that I definitely did not deserve to be treated. And I I definitely would not have realized that if, if the pandemic hadn't sent us all home because I really was letting my love of like the shiny things and the hustle kind of get in the way of like what I was actually doing. So by fate, luck, chance, I got laid off in November, 2020. Um, and I say luck, fate, chance because I was really unhappy and I was really burnt out. And I hadn't realized it. So when I got laid off, I was like, I need to keep working. I need to keep making money. So I started my own marketing company called Rumination Storytellers, where I basically wanted to work with brands to 
tell the story of how their product really impacts the consumers, focusing on that connection, that personal connection. And I did that for a year and a half. I made more than I made working at L'Oreal. Um, and I got even more burnt out. And I didn't realize just how burnt out I was until I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do anything. And I was just laying on the floor, just crying all the time because I was exhausted. So I stopped working so hard. I spoke to my, my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, would it be okay if I didn't work as much? Like, what would that do to the dynamic of our relationship? And because he's an amazing person, he was like, it, it wouldn't do anything. I support you. And if that means that, you know, we take a little bit of a pay cut so that you can kind of focus on healing and finding what actually feels good, go for it. I didn't need his permission at all, but I felt like that was like a mental barrier that I was putting onto myself to not take a step back and reassess. So I took a step back. I finished up all of the contracts that I was working on and I started to think about what I actually wanted to do. And I kept saying over and over again, I want to write about the things that I want to write about and get paid to do that. I wanted to show up in rooms, speak, talk about um, myself in the sense of the struggles that I've had with mental illness. So depression, anxiety, I knew I wanted to be a role model in, in that way. And I wanted to get paid to do it. At this time, I was working with a freelance writing coach. Um, and she basically told me what it sounds like you want to be doing is being yourself loudly. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I want to be doing. And it really resonated with me. So long story short, I stopped doing a bunch of things that didn't serve me any well anymore. And I started to reflect on my personal values, how I wanted to spend my time and decided that that meant launching a podcast, um, writing about the things that I want to write about, even if it's for my own platform, like a newsletter, um, and focusing on doing what feels good. And that's essentially where I am today, um, which is, you know, host of the podcast. I have an advice column and I get to do things like this, where I talk about neurodivergence and what it means to live authentically. So that's how I got here. That is yes. amazing. I just, I like can feel your empowerment through all of that. Oh, same. I oh just love goodness. how you owned that and stepped directly into it. Like, obviously it was a process of shedding some layers, but just realizing like, that's not who I want to be. No. But who am I and where am I taking this? And I love that you just embraced the whole process. It took a lot of work. There are a lot of barriers getting in the way of, of me actually like stepping into this position. And what's crazy is that the barriers are, they're parts of me. So one of the things that I've done kind of on this healing journey, because I've had to do a lot of burnout recovery, um, is looking at, um, there's this thing called internal family systems. It's a type of therapy that focuses on this idea of the self and there's the self and then there's all these different parts of you and they all make up you. I had a lot of parts of me um, that did not serve me. So 
in order for me to actually move forward, I had to look at those parts, identify them, and I had to give them a new job. Um, I talk about this in one of my podcast episodes. Um, it's called, I forget what it's called. I'll, I'll tell you and you can put it in the show notes. Um, but the whole point is that you, it's a constant reminder. So for example, I have on my wall, listeners can't see this, but I have two little pictures and they're like these little like blob monsters. And they're what I call my gremlins. They're just parts of me. And one of my gremlins, which was the very first one that I worked on with the coach, um, was basically this gremlin named Harold that would like to tell me that like I'm not special, that like my voice doesn't deserve to be heard, that there is no space for me, all these really negative things. And it took a lot of work for me to look a little bit closer to see that Harold was just trying to protect me. He didn't want to be, you know, rejected or shut down. Um, but because the role Harold's currently playing was not serving me, I had to tell him to be a cheerleader. So whenever I struggle, which is quite often, um, when I try to step into this spot, I have to remember that all of these parts are different parts of me and that it's okay to feel this way. Um, but that they don't, they don't have to scare me into like stepping back or retreating, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, like, I love that. Thank you for sharing that no. too, because it's easy, I think, to share the wins and mm -hmm. not share like the process that we take to get to the wins, which is like, that's where the work is. That's where we are really diving in and discovering all these pieces about ourselves. And that's just beautiful the way you describe that. You have to, I have to do it every day. I mean, even literally today, I was like, I feel like I have no purpose. I am lost. I don't know what I am doing. And I laid in bed and then I watched some TV and then I was like, okay, I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to make a plan. Think about, you know, what do I want to improve? And I'll work on it tomorrow, you know, and it's okay. It's okay for now that I'm not feeling like I'm this all powerful creature because I'm constantly comparing myself to others. Um, I know that it's a work in progress, but I get to be here and I get to talk to you. And to me, that's something to celebrate as well. For sure. We are definitely yeah. very happy about it. <laughs> I know. And I, I just have to say this, this is so encouraging to hear because a lot of what you kind of talked through and walked through is what I have experienced over the past few years of like absolute burnout. Wait, what? Let me just like lean in, listen, what, like what's going on? I don't know. I'm going to go over here and just cry. And like, it's, I mean, you know, in the moment you if you're like me, I feel like, oh, this is awful to go through. But at the same time, you know, it's awful to hear that you've also experienced these things. But at the same time, it's so encouraging to hear because there's so many times where I feel alone in, you know, why, why aren't things so linear for me? Why is it so up and down? And I'm sure so many people listening can truly probably resonate. And I hope they feel encouraged to know that like you are not alone. If your path is not linear, it's okay. No, it's your path. And that's the thing that's the most important. So whenever I really get into this comparing mind, which is something that I, I, it's all the time. I mean, social media makes it inevitable that you're seeing everybody else's highs and yours don't line up. You're like, what am I doing wrong? You have to remember that your journey is yours. And like, you are the architect of your own experience. And that there's a Carl Jung quote, um, that says what is to come, I have it written down, what is to come will be created in you and from you. 
And like, that's all you got to remember and keep pushing through. But you're not alone. Love that. Love that. That's so so powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can we talk about your podcast for a minute? Yeah. We are learning. Um, and of course, like we're brand new at this. I'm we're curious to know what do you find has been the most impactful aspect of podcasting and connecting with others? I think it's the same thing that you said. It's like when you share something and then someone else shares that they've gone through something similar, that makes all of us feel less alone. I that's how I feel about podcasting is I'll I'll write these really vulnerable stories and I'll share them. I'll feel really, really nervous about it. But then I'll get a message from somebody who is like, I've been going through that exact same thing. Couldn't put it into words. Like, thank you for doing that. And to me, that's like, okay, that's why I do it. That's like the reason why I do it is so that I can connect with people through this like feeling of loneliness that we all carry that in turn makes us not feel so lonely. But it's podcasting is really hard. I've been really struggling with it since I started because it's not just the it's not just the the like this recording, it's the prepping, the planning, if you're writing it, the recording, but then it's the editing, which is a whole other beast. <laughs> and then it's the like marketing of yes. it. And you're doing like 16 <laughs> different jobs. And then you get what, 16 listens. And then you're like, why the hell did I do any of this? It's a waste <laughs> of time. It's exhausting, but it's rewarding when you do it absolutely for sure you're you're walking through conversations that kelly and i have had (laughs) very recently (laughs) for sure yeah and it it does feel like like if you don't have a lot of extra money to pay an editor or pay somebody to do it 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 does feel like a burden a lot of times and it can feel like you're like alone in all the work that you're doing with no payoff um and it's it's something i think we all struggle with but you know if it makes a difference in one person, to me, that's reason enough to do it. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so another thing which is so remarkable is the writing experience that you have, um, especially like, you know, like you spoke about, you've really chased that. Um, you know, you've chased having that journey of writing, putting your thoughts out there, being vulnerable. Um, and you have an advice column that you manage, which I mean, uh, I actually was, you know, like I said, deep diving on your Instagram was looking at some of the blurbs that you put up from that advice column. Um, Just wondering if you can, you know, really share a little bit more about that, about your writing experience and just, you know, how do you kind of work through that process of what people have to say? Yeah. So I realized when I was a little kid that I loved giving advice and helping people solve their problems. Um, And part of it was because I could almost always find a way that I resonated with their experience or their problem. Mm -hmm. So to me, that connection was instant. And I loved fostering that through this like advice giving mentorship through this kind of give and take relationship. Um, So when I started writing professionally was, I think my sophomore year of college, I I got an internship at Cosmo and I was started writing for them. And I, I wrote my first Um, personal essay. And that was all about living with mental illness and my depression. And I got a lot of messages from people who were saying that, like, how helpful some of the things that I was writing were. So it gave me this goal of one day having my own advice column. So when I moved to Seattle, and I got introduced to the Seattle Gay News, I met with the editor, and I was like, I want my own advice column. 
And it was a really small paper at the time. So they're like, done, set, bet, let's do it. And that was about a year and a half ago now. So it's been fulfilling in the sense of I get to do what I've always wanted to do, which is help people and give it like unsolicited advice. I mean, it's solicited, but give advice um, without having to be worried about like, oh, who is this person? Like who gives her the authority to give advice mm-hmm. about it? And I kind of get to own the fact that like, I am my own authority because of my experiences. And if I've gone through something and I've found what works for me, like I think I'm qualified to tell somebody how I did it so that maybe they can help themselves get through it. Um, so that's the advice column. It's it's challenging though, because sometimes I'll get questions that I don't know the answers to. And I have to step back and reflect a little bit about like what advice I would give if this were a friend of mine. I pretty much have to do that with anyone who submits to my column. I have to imagine like if this was a friend or a sibling, like what do I say to them? Um, and it can be really challenging, but when I get stuck, I ask my husband what he would do and we talk it out. And then usually we'll come to some conclusion. I also like to include what, uh, doctors or therapists have said as well to the, whatever it is somebody is dealing with, because I get a lot of questions, especially from the LGBTQ plus community, um, about things like transitioning, about gender affirming care, like all of these subjects that I personally can't talk about because I'm a, you know, bisexual, um, cis woman. So I, I definitely am not just going based off my own experiences. I'm, I'm using my skills as a journalist to actually see what, you know, the professionals would say in the given circumstance. Yeah, that that's amazing. And I'm, like you said, to be able to, you know, utilize your skills, not just in writing, but like you said, like in journalism skills um, and, you know, really help kind of bridge that gap of where people feel they really need that support. I mean, that is just so profound and uh, that's, that's just amazing. Yeah. In the beginning, I wasn't getting very many submissions. So I found mm-hmm. myself, don't tell anyone, I found myself writing like two questions for myself. And it was based on things that I was like currently struggling with. So I mm-hmm. had to really think like, okay, what advice would I give me? What advice would I give a younger version of myself? Or it's, you know, how would I approach this um, using the things that I value and know about like from a psychology standpoint, I guess, because Mm -hmm. I want to give, I want to give good sound advice. And there's a level of like therapizing that happens. Um, All that being said, please submit to my advice column. So I don't have to write my own (laughs) questions because then it's really hard to connect with people when I'm just literally connecting with myself. (laughs) That's definitely a key takeaway. We will, we will get right on that. Um, So can you tell us uh, some more about what is neurodivergence and what does it look like and feel like to navigate that for you? Yes. So up until maybe this, when I started my being yourself loudly journey, I would always talk about having mental illness. I was, I was very open, um, even professionally about my anxiety, depression, any other, you know, diagnoses that I got mainly just sharing like how I feel and how it affects me because I felt like I showed up. I I felt like I was different 
in the world because of how my brain worked. And I learned about this term neurodivergence a few years ago. And it, to me, really resonated in a more positive way than saying I am mentally ill because the entire connotation of like mental illness is negative and it implies there's something wrong with you or there's something broken or there's something you need to fix. But the truth is so many more people are actually anxious and depressed and OCD and all of these other things implying that our brains are maybe not so different. So there's neurotypical people and there's neurodivergent people. Neurotypical is basically where everything in your brain kind of functions the way that it's supposed to. Um, you have a normal like reactive nervous system, you know, your fight or flight response works in actual emergencies and not in not emergencies. When you're neurodivergent, things don't quite work that way. There really is no way things typically work because you just are who you are. So in my process of owning my authentic self, I've also accepted that like I cannot be put in a box and my entire journey of like hustling was all to try to make me feel more normal than I actually was to compensate for all of the masking that I was actually doing, which is essentially when a neurodivergent person kind of puts on a mask or a facade in order to make everybody around them more comfortable um, and to fit in, to not draw attention, things like that. Taylor Swift talks about it a lot in her songs. She always talks about being this mirror ball and doing what everybody else is doing just so that she fits in and doesn't feel so lost. And that's really what it's like to be neurodivergent. Um, so that's what neurodivergent means in the long self. It accompanies a full range of diagnoses, ADHD, borderline personality disorder, depression, anxiety, OCD, all of these things fall under neurodivergent. Interesting. What was the second part of the question? I don't remember the second part of the question. No, that's <laughs> fine. I was like just uh, ruminating actually. Uh, so just what does it feel like? What does it look like and feel like to navigate that? It's super complex to start because you have to take a step back from your identity and ask yourself, okay, what parts of me are actually me because I feel a certain way and I do a certain way? Or what parts of me are me because society has told me that I need to feel this way or act this way? Um, so a, one major example of that is like this, this, need to be productive is very in line with hustle culture and this idea where if you can't sit for eight hours and do a job, you're not productive. You're not spending all of your time for this outcome. And when you're neurodivergent, you have to allow yourself so much more grace and flexibility to do things differently. And that was one of the biggest things that I learned is that I knew I was capable of kicking ass in a high stress job, working within these huge time constraints, but I realized I was miserable. And if I actually wanted to feel good, I needed to do what felt good for my body and listening to my body, which essentially means I had to make sure that I was getting, you know, 10 hours of sleep a night. 
I wasn't waking up six in the morning to go to the gym or work out because that's not what my body needs. I was waking up when I feel rested. I was going outside, getting fresh air and sunshine because I felt good and I needed it. And then if I could swing it and I have the focus, maybe it's doing four hours of computer work, um, which is anything that's on a computer, and then spending the rest of the time doing self-care and maintenance. Because being neurodivergent, it takes a whole lot of energy to just survive. And I know that sounds really dramatic, but it's true. Our brains and our bodies are using different amounts of energy than people who are neurotypical. They're getting through a normal day and their body is regulating the way that it's supposed to and they are still feeling good. But for people who are neurodivergent, they have a lot of other needs. And if they don't accommodate for those needs, then they're going to get depleted, burnt out, and just be miserable because they're trying to fit themselves in a box that was created for neurotypicals. So it's challenging to be neurodivergent, but it's so beautiful. And you'll know when you are around someone neurodivergent who's unmasking, when you can see their true joy in their facial expressions, in their volume, like it's it's being free to be yourself without worrying what other people think about you. Mm. It's like me going, here's an example. I went out to dinner with my husband a couple of months ago and we went to this restaurant and they had these little tiny paper clips that were like holding the little menus. And it, I shit you not, I'm sorry for my language. It was the cutest little paperclip I've ever seen in my entire life. And it gave me so many endorphins. And it was, I still get excited thinking about this little freaking paperclip. And I put it in my purse. And for the next like three weeks, anyone I came in contact with, I showed them that paperclip because why not? It's the cutest thing in the freaking world. And it made me happy. And I some people that. may think that's weird, but it it made me happy. I love that. I mean, isn't that what it's really all about is like living this life to the full as who we actually are, mm -hmm. but the, but the societal norms and the things around us that that cause us to feel like we need to oppress that for whatever reason but the reality is the most beautiful way to be is that way the way yeah. where we are like in our most joyful selves no matter what other people think I love that so much sometimes it's even not just what other people think but we have these narratives that are so built into our in like internal systems that we believe them ourselves. And it's those mm -hmm. things that's like, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve good things. Like I, I had this narrative that my confidence came across as arrogant because somebody told me that six years ago at a job. And I've carried that with me every single day until recently when I was like, hold on, is this actually true? Do I, it, is, is are there any facts to back this up or is that just something I've conditioned myself to believe about my confidence because some man told me that you know six years ago 
So you have to do that internal reflecting to look at what narratives you actually want to keep and what ones you want to get rid of in order to live your most authentic life. And that's hard. It's hard work, which is why I have my podcast so that people can can learn how to do it because it's not something that they teach you. 100%. I think absolutely can resonate with that. A lot of times I'm just going to speak for myself. Sometimes just by like reading things, you know, watching TV or shows or whatever, we receive this messaging. And even if someone doesn't directly say it to me, I still can interpret that as what other people think, right? And that can, exactly as you're saying, become your narrative that was never even, it's, it's like, that's that wasn't for me, but I like adopted it. Um, in order, really, I mean, I think at the core of it is like the desire for belonging. So to step outside of that or to release that perceived norm is almost it almost feels like scary even though the whole entire thing may be made up right yeah we have been so conditioned to believe that in order to belong we need to conform we need to fit in we need to like we need to dim our light Mm -hmm. in order to make space for the collective light to shine and it's it's all made up it's all made up this whole idea that you have to be a certain way, do certain things in order to be successful. Like even the idea of success, as we know it, someone created that for their own benefit. Mm -hmm. And like, especially as creatives, I feel like one, I feel like creativity as a whole is like a, an act of rebellion because you are doing something that is not for the point of productivity. You're not doing something to, capitalize on it or to you know make it a commodity like you are doing something for the sole purpose of creating and joy and like that that in the moment mindfulness Mm -hmm. and when we all do that I think that it could spark a a revolution I really do think of people who are just deciding that we're not going to do things anymore the way that everybody else wants us to do them you know, I'm going to work a couple hours in the morning and maybe I'm going to work at eight o'clock at night and I'm going to make something really beautiful and I'm going to spend the rest of the day creating art or reading or, you know, walking in the garden. Like you don't have to do things the way that everybody else says you have to, because it's not real. Yeah, this, this is resonating so deeply with my soul right now. <laughs> Good, I'm I mean, glad. I'm I'm just sitting here thinking about like, you know, used to sit at a desk all day, every day, drive to work, you know, sit at a desk, do work, be at a desk, do work, be at a desk, do work, drive home. Like what I I just, you talk about burnout, like it just so immense. And now to your, like what you're saying, I mean, I get up and I am with my family for a little bit and then you know, I, I get to sit down and decide, okay, what am I going to prioritize right now? Oh, look, there's birds outside. Let me just stare outside. And it feels so empowering and it just puts me in such a better mindset. So I completely resonate with that so, so much. Yeah. You're doing things that actually feel good rather than doing what you think you should be doing. Um, 
the thing is that I that I struggled with is it's not just the productivity aspect at, at work or in a computer. Even now, as I make accommodations for myself, and I know that I need to be resting because if I don't rest, I'm going to burn myself out. And as I'm resting, I feel like I need to, I, I feel this deep desire to be productive, to do something, even if it's like, if I don't want to do laundry or do the dishes, whatever it is, I'm, I've like, I'm feeling that deep need to feel like I've accomplished something. And that to me was like really perplexing because I didn't know where it was coming from, but it's because this is what we've been conditioned to believe that if you're mm -hmm. not at work, if you're not like you should be doing something productive, but that's where you lose the creativity and that's where you lose the rest and where you lose all of the beautiful stuff that happens in that, what I call like the white space of, of taking time for yourself. And it's a, it's a process. You got to unlearn it, but it sure is beautiful when you do it. Yes, it truly is. It really is. Um, so one of the things that you have talked about is authenticity um, one of the reasons why Kelly and I put this podcast together was to have a safe space for authentic discussions, um, obviously for creatives, um, but really just for anybody to, you know, if they're on that path and that journey to embrace themselves, their, their abilities, their capabilities, um, just for anyone who's listening, do you have any tips or tricks about how they can show up authentically and not lose sight of those profound capabilities that they have? Yeah, great question. I think in order to show up authentically, I think first that you need to set boundaries about how you are showing up. So I really struggle with this when it comes to social media, because I feel like there is there are best practices. There are what works. There, there are things that work. You know, you post X amount of times per day. You do all of these different things. And if you do those things, you will be successful. But as a part of me showing up authentically, it felt really authentic, really inauthentic to just try to make content for the sake of content because I needed to put this out there because that's what the algorithm says I have to do. So I had to say, okay, I know that I want to show up online but I need to do it in a way that is authentic in a way that works for me. So I decided that I'm going to make content in like when it is most authentic, which means like during the moment. So if I feel like taking a video and posting it, like I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that right then and there. I'm going to share and connect in the way that I need to. And I'm not going to think about it any further. Because if I were to take a bunch of pictures, stage something, do something, and then know that I need to write captions later, do this whole thing, like it's not, it's no longer feels good. And the whole point is to feel good. So first part of showing up authentically is to set boundaries about how you're going to do it and stick to it because you know that it helps you feel better. And two, just do it. And if you find your, just do, I mean, just do it. If you're worried about what other people are going to think, just do it. <laughs> right. Honestly, like, I think it's a fear that stops a lot of people from being vulnerable and from showing up as their true selves because they're worried about what everyone else is going to think. But the truth is that nobody cares. Like, it's that Dr. Seuss quote, like, those who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. Mm-hmm. 
if you actually want to be yourself, that means that you can't spend time ruminating over all of the things that people could possibly say about you or do or how you're different from everybody else. Like you just have to be you and be brave and be courageous. Brave and courageous are the same things, but you have to just put yourself out there. And before you know it, people are going to see that and it's going to inspire others to be themselves too. Yeah, this, I mean, this is just absolute gold right here. I mean, I am just, I'm, I'm thrilled that we found you. Me too. I mean, right? just, <laughs> I kid you not, Kelly and I, we were sitting the other day, we were having coffee, um, shout out to Cultivate. I feel like that's all we call out on this podcast so far. Is that's a, co that's a is, coffee shop near It's our us. local coffee shop near Called us. Cultivate, uh-huh. Um, we were having this discussion of, you know, what what is where are we at right now? What is our path? What are we doing? How are we showing up? And exactly what you just said we were talking about. Just just doing it and being in the moment, not, you know, worrying about, oh my gosh, is my hair done? Or, you know, uh, do do I need to, you know, take a picture of this instead of this because of this in the background? And, you know, well, what if I push this button and I post something and now these words are out into the world? Mm -hmm. And I mean, this is exactly what we had hoped that people would feel encouraged to hear. So, mm -hmm. I mean, absolute gold right here. This, this is just, it's resonating with me so much. I can see Kelly, like, she's just like nodding her head. Like, yes, 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 I mean, yes, I yes. just, I feel like I've learned so much and this has been so, for me, it's been really encouraging because mm -hmm. a lot of what you're talking about is things that I've walked through, but maybe didn't have like labels for or terminology for, mm -hmm. um, like I will say straight out the neurodivergence thing, it like resonates deeply with me. Um, and feeling like I didn't have a place or there isn't a place for me in this stage of my life and how my body seems to want to operate now, which has changed. And I didn't know what to do with it because I've always believed that productivity is what's most important but when your body is calling out for rest and then I felt like guilty and shameful mm -hmm. because I didn't get xyz done or checked off my to-do list and then I'm going to my client saying it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a little <laughs> bit longer <laughs> um, but just knowing my capacity has decreased, but being okay with it, like um, it's almost like this conversation has helped me to see that that is okay. Like that is who you are. And it's actually, it's not a bad thing. Like, no, you not are who at you all. Are, right. Mm -hmm. And our bodies know they know, I mean, it's the whole body keeps a score thing, but like your bodies know how to do the thing that they're meant to do, which is like, stay alive. 
mm-hmm. and they know before we do what is good for us. So if your mm-hmm. body is saying you to rest, to eat these nourishing foods, regardless of what's on the label, to do all these, like our bodies are incredibly intuitive, but mm-hmm. when we are constantly like challenging them, we're undermining ourselves. And it feels really good, although really challenging at first to accept that your body will know things before you do and to listen and you'll feel things aligning so much more. But but I hear you, that guilt and the shame, it runs deep. If I don't finish this task, I am unworthy or I am bad. Mm-hmm. Those are things that everybody has to constantly work with. And the number one thing that I tell myself is I acknowledge how I'm feeling. I give myself permission to feel this way. Like it is okay to feel this shame and to feel this guilt. Like it's okay to sit with it and be uncomfortable, but it's also temporary and it's going to pass. And feelings are not facts. Just because I feel unworthy does not mean I am unworthy. Just because I feel like I am a waste of time and space on this particular day does not mean I'm a waste of time and space. Mm-hmm. All of those things are a part of the things that make us human and we have to listen to them and we have to be with them. And that's how we learn more about ourselves and how we can show up authentically in the world. For sure. Gosh, this is uh, absolute gold. <laughs> <laughs> if, Just if people so... want to learn more about working with their emotions and labeling some of these things. Um, I have a couple of resources. The first thing I recommend is watching or reading um, Brene Brown, anything of Brene Brown, but Brene Brown, Atlas of the Heart. She does a really beautiful job of of labeling emotions and giving examples. And and it's really comforting to hear something that you've been experiencing and have a word for it. Um, So anything of Brene Brown, Atlas of the Heart, amazing. I'm going to plug my own podcast. It's called Being Yourself Loudly. I haven't put it out as often as I said I would because of all of the aforementioned challenges we've talked about, mm-hmm. but this has has inspired me to want to recommit to that. Um, I have a newsletter, isabelmata.substack.com. That's where I compile pretty much all of the things that I do, all the writing, all of the, if I go on to, you know, the local TV show or do a segment, like I put everything out to my newsletter as a way to take off the pressure on social media. So subscribe, eh, subscribe to my newsletter at isabelmata.substack.com. You can find my advice column at sgn.org. Um, at the top of the, the webpage, there's a column called Ask Izzy. So you can click there and you can submit to my advice column. Follow me on Instagram at Isabel Calkins Mata, I-S-A-B-E-L-C-A-L-K-I-N-S-M-A-T-A, although I'm sure it will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. And I'm also on TikTok, which is what I like to do the most. I don't do it, like, I don't, I don't post multiple times a day, but I have a lot of fun on there. So I'm at I-L Calkins, C-A-L-K-I-N-S. And that's me. Awesome. Gosh, well, yeah. Thank you so much for shouting out where everybody can find you. Um, we'll definitely have to check you out on TikTok. I'm new to TikTok. Kelly 
kind of encouraged me to check it out. I don't really know what I'm doing over there, but you know, it's okay. You'll figure it out. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. Um, it has been so amazing to have you with us today. And thank you so much for the value that you have brought to the conversation and um, to the value I've brought to myself and to Kelly and to anybody else who's listening. We are so grateful that you joined us today. Of course. Thank you so much. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm honored to be a part of your show. So thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Creative Collective Podcast. I would love if you would check us out on Instagram at creativecollective underscore podcast. Uh, also our website, creativecollectivepodcast.com. And if you're liking this content, I would love to ask for you to rate and review us so more people can find us. Bye.